Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and once again, may I welcome you to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is W.J. Sheehan, and I am the author of a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, volumes one through seven and soon to be eight. And for those of you who like the audiobook format, I am proud to say that finally... Volume 1 is now available. So 1 through 6 are available on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. So have at it. And I'd like to begin here today before I bring my brother in. A lot of you know that I work in a hospital. We are jam-packed with COVID patients. They've converted gymnasiums, dormitories, uh, almost every room in the house is treating COVID patients right now. And I thought to myself of an interesting quotation that I'm going to share with you. Listen carefully. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you are right. I'll say it again. Whether you think you can Or whether you think you can't, you are right. Henry Ford said that. And I'm quoting it once again here today in the hope of recruiting some of you to my way of thinking. I believe that we are given the ability to overcome this situation. Social distancing. Prayer. Believing that things that are not now can be changed. So I'm asking all of you, our listening audience, to join me and millions of other people around the planet in conquering this COVID monster one person at a time. You know, there's a biblical story where Christ told his apostles to get in the boat and cross over the sea to the other side, during which he was asleep on a pillow in the back of the boat, and a storm and tempest arose, frightening the apostles. And they said to him, Master, don't you care that we are dying? And he told them in a manner of speaking, You will never die as long as I am with you. 
There is a creator that is with us, waiting for a favorable response from we the people, asking him for his help. And I'm asking you to join me in that plea. And now, let's get on with the show. As I welcome in my brother, Kevin. Kevin, how are you, brother? Hey, Bill. How's it going? Pretty good. Get a little uh, nervous in the service, but I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's around here, down in North Carolina, it seems like people are starting to get the social distancing. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody, but you're always going to have some folks that are just dumb. You know, and can't follow instructions, I guess. Maybe they're not dumb, but they can't follow instructions. Yeah, well. Um, but uh, it's coming along. I, you know, I think the social distancing is going to work, you know, and washing their hands, too. You know, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, like, people are learning how to stay a little cleaner. Yeah, well, if they could spend a week with me in the hospital, the body bags are pile- piling up, folks. Ugh. And let me tell you this. If you think it's a joke, it's no joke. Keep your distance. This is an airborne virus. It travels through the air, through the air from my mouth to your nasal passages or your mouth or onto a a surface top. You need to be diligent. You need to wear a mask. You need to keep your distance. And this thing will fold up like a cheap suit and die. So wise up. Follow the commands. They're good. The people that aren't wearing the mask, the people aren't that aren't doing what they're being told, Kev, are the people that are dying. No, I know. Well, and it's, you know, it's um, the thing that's hard for me is it's so stressful because, you know, people that are sick, you know, people that have died and, um, you know, you probably know people that are going to die. But the the practice of the social distancing and uh, staying staying home, so to speak, whatever, whatever each state calls it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of okay. Like, you know, I've had more meals with the family than I've had uh, in a long time because we're all in and, you know, we have to stay in. Um, And then, you know, I'm reading a lot more and doing a lot more things that are relaxing. You know, fortunately, I could still get out and run and exercise, but I got to do that really early in the morning because it's just too many people out, you know, what? And even if I'm outside, um, I'm practicing pretty strong social distancing. You know, I don't want to be running next to somebody that, you know, could have it. Or or if I have it, I don't want them running next to me. Right, right. Now, I went into a small little bodega this morning. And uh, I was in there with my mask on. The guy behind the counter had his mask on. And there were three other individuals between me and him. Two of them were having a face-to-face conversation about a foot apart. And the other lady was standing there looking to play lottery tickets. Uh, You'd think it was, uh, you know, like nothing was going on, no mask on. Mm. So when you see these types of people and these types of activities, there are a lot of people out there who don't get it. And uh, it's up to us, you know, to say something or do something uh, to uh, help them along in their plight (laughs) to become mindful of their fellow man, you know? Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, it's um, I, I know myself, folks, I haven't been out to any store, any store 
in about 14 days. Now, I will have to go grocery shopping again, but like I'm not going to go grocery shopping like tomorrow, Sunday for us as we're recording here. And uh, I'm not going to go grocery shopping on a Sunday. You know, of course I can because I'm working from home these days. I can't afford to go, you know, early in the morning on a Monday or something like that. But I'm trying to figure out when it's least crowded, you know, just to be safe. Yep. So we yeah. all, if we all do it and we all do what we can, and I know it's super hard, especially the folks out there that have little children and the, they have to, you know, hopefully they're able to work from home and they haven't lost their jobs. But I know a ton of folks have lost their jobs and we're praying for you. But then the other folks that are working from home, fortunate enough to work from home, then they're teaching their kids, you know, homeschooling their kids, taking care of their kids. Oh, my goodness. You know. There are some busy folks. Yeah, and you know, Kev, I told you, and I can say these things because it's my podcast. I have been under the belief for many years that the Almighty has not been too pleased with some of the shenanigans going on uh, here on the planet. So I, th- I think, and I really believe in my heart, that as horrible as this is, it's a corrective measure. I think it's a real slap in the face to make us wake up and realize what is really and truly important uh, about living our lives as human beings. And I think your statement about your appreciation for some dinners with the family, a little closeness, uh, maybe a little more thinking about uh, who created us, a little less busyness, as a way of really getting your attention. So yeah, I no ha- doubt about it. But let's let's get into it here. Yeah, let's go. I've had enough of COVID nineteen. I'm sure <laughs> anybody else has. So, Bill, we're going to start out talking again about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know, so you talked about that TV show. Um, called uh, Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives. And uh, I guess probably because I have some extra time and I'm not traveling like I normally do, and not traveling at all, in fact, um, I found it. I found the series. And it turns out it originally aired back in 2014, and they've been re-airing it during the past few weeks on the Discovery Channel. But killer show, folks, like Bill talked about, uh, called The Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives, Really good, really good stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on it there. And uh, you know, back in um, episode twelve of our podcast, we covered the Dyatlov Pass incident uh, from back in nineteen fifty nine when it occurred. And then in episode twenty five, we covered a pretty cool video of a Yeti sighting where three young Russian kids videotaped a Yeti in that same part of Russia, mm-hmm. uh, general part of Russia. And they actually used that video, uh, you know, in, in one of the supporting conversations about Russia and Yeti, uh, uh, Russia, Yeti and Russia <laughs> on that on that Discovery Channel TV show. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, um, you know, that. so first off, great I thought it was great uh, television show, great documentary. And I think what's really cool about it, several things. One is that they tracked the stages of the trip of the ill-fated group of nine college students, um, track it along on a map, and by day, 
you and tracking along with the black and white photographs that have been out there on the web for years, basically, you know, there you can go and download the se- sequential lists of photographs from all of their cameras. They're up on the web, but they they map those to the days and to the places they were on the map. And I thought that was a great new dimension. Like I tried to do that while I, when we did our original episode, episode 12 on the Dyatlov Pass, but it's pretty hard to do, of course. Yeah, Kevin, one of the interesting things about those photographs, as you now know, first of all, they're all sealed up. They haven't gone anywhere. They have all the negatives. Right. Uh, second of all, was the amount of apparent pictures of what seemed to be insignificant patches of trees. Did you see them a couple of yes, times? Yes. Now, and that the, was interesting. And that was towards the later stages, like the last few days before they died. Um, they started to take pictures of the forest. And um, they also, the, when they tracked their traveling, they stopped very frequently and camped as they got close to, uh, you know, where they where they met their demise. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the folks on the show, uh, with looking at all these pictures of the woods and the fact that they were going a much shorter distance, and it wasn't e- a much shorter distance each day, and it wasn't because they were climbing the mountain or anything like that. It was the same type of terrain they had been covering, but they were stopping. So they were saying that, you know, perhaps they felt like they were being stalked. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and those in those pictures, I'm sure if the still shots could talk, they took those shots hoping to see a little more of what they were seeing. In other words, I think they were seeing something between some of the branches yes. that when we look at the picture, we're just seeing a bunch of trees. But they obviously took those shots while paying attention to something that was going on in those trees. Yeah, they were, you know, this wasn't in, in the days of digital photography where pictures were free. You know, they were students. They're using, uh, you know, probably 35 millimeter camera. They look like 35 millimeter negatives. Um, and, you know, they're not just going to take pictures of the trees. They're all outdoors people. Right. And they weren't um, pretty shots. No, no. It wasn't know, these like fresh fall snow, you know, or something like that. It's just a picture of some trees in the woods. Right. So, so yeah. And then, of course, folks... They the they showed the pictures of all of the bodies, very gory stuff, you know, after they found them months later. Mm-hmm. Now, those you can't see or I hadn't found them online. I only had the pictures from uh, the actual cameras of the students. But mm-hmm. the pictures are absolutely gory and they give you that definite feel of those massive injuries that they had, you know, including... They show the one person with their eyes gouged out and their another one with the tongue ripped out. You know, these weird injuries yeah, yeah. that are just unexplainable. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very freaky. And, of course, uh, the last photo or one of the very last showed that thing that I believe is a Yeti in the woods. Somebody no else doubt said, about it. Yeah, somebody they, else said it was one of the people in the group, and I was like, there ain't no way that's no, somebody no. in the group. And that picture showed up on the film like the last day. Yeah. Either the last day or the day before they met their demise. So I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't figured that out when I was doing my own research. Right, right. And, and you know, they looked at that picture a lot more on this series, and it doesn't look like a person. 
Not at all. And uh, am I getting a jump on you, Kev, if I talk about that letter that was scribbled in the tent? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, they uncovered a piece of evidence that I hadn't heard about before. It was a note that was apparently written in the tent, uh, more than likely the night or the day that they were killed. And it simply said, the snowman lives. Yeah, or or it said something like, at least we know now the snowman lives. It's unbelievable. So that's why, you know, they think they were st- being stalked by the snowman. So that was one of, there's a few really interesting facts that came up in addition to the ones I talked about so far. So another one that was interesting, Bill, was apparently at this same time, the Russians had a secret project that was fully funded by the government to look into whether the Yeti um, or what they called the snowman was real or not, because there had been so many sightings up near this mountain where this all took place. And that wasn't known before because that was a secret project. Right. The Mountain of the Dead. The Mountain of the Dead. Exactly. And also, it's my understanding that not only were they looking, wanting to look into it, they were trying to capture one alive. Exactly. Exactly. So they funded it. They put together this group of experts and they were trying to capture one alive. And then I don't know if you you saw this part, too, Bill, where they said they found reference that um, in these uh, formerly secret Russian documents that this group actually found the dead students. And they found the dead students, like this document had a date on it that was dated prior to when the students were known to be missing. Yeah, very interesting. Like, how did they get there before they were even reported missing? Well, they were there looking for this uh, snowman. Right, so right. they were in the same area. Now they so so folks, just so you so this is clear to you, they found apparently the dead students, but they didn't do anything about it. You know, the secret government thing, you could imagine it, right? Um and the now the kids are dead, but they don't do anything to recover their bodies, they don't tell anyone, they don't tell the relatives, they just file a stop secret report, apparently, and then um Later on, when it's known that these kids are missing, then there are separate search parties organized. And a couple of months later, they find them buried in the snow. Right. So I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. Also, that one witness, uh, non-governmental, he said amongst the evidence was a boot topper. Oh, that's right. Yeah, military boot cover. Right, and he said you couldn't have at the time unless you were in the military. And they found it like with some of the damaged tents. That's right. The military or the KGB would would be the only ones with these that had that that type of boot topper. Yeah. So that was incredible. And also those other two witnesses, two the two first men on the scene, said there were large footprints in the snow around around the tent yeah yeah so none of that uh was uh heard about in the last go round that i saw done on this and i won't mention the show name uh but they were uh, i they didn't give it just to as far as i was concerned and at the end of that show they were ones who said that the picture was that of one of their team Oh, yeah, this is some other TV series. Yes, yes, saw, that was yeah. done like a year and a half, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, one, one of the other super interesting facts was 
they went and they found um, these Mansi people, you know, who are the highly reclusive and protective indigenous people mm-hmm. in the area. And these are the people, if you recall, were suspected of killing the students because right. they are, you know, reclusive and protective. And uh, but these these two folks now, when they were filming it, went into their village and actually uh, got to talk, got a few of the people to talk to them. And what was really interesting was they told them about the mank, right? This uh, this legendary creature like the snowman or Bigfoot yep. Yeti, and and then they found that video of the Mansi people um, that videotaped the Mank along the river. Now, did you see that, Bill? That That was unbelievable. That was an incredible. And when you look at the shape of the body on that Mank by the river, it looked a lot like the picture in the woods. Exactly like the picture in the woods. Yes. More tall, more lanky than like a little more lanky, a little bit of like a flattish top to its head. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was super cool. And that video was indisputable. I mean, it's crystal clear. It's not a person in a suit. It's not a bear, people, you know, our favorite mistaken uh, animal. Um, but I tried to find that video online. I couldn't find it. So yeah. I'm not saying it's not out there. So, folks, if you find that video, uh, definitely uh, let send me the link on our uh, website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. But I was also thinking, Kev, of the uh, size comparison or difference between, say, the Craven video that we were just talking about and that Mank. Yeah, yeah. Two completely different creatures build-wise. Yes, yes. Uh, The one is like a bull and the other one is more like a giant spider monkey. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean that's yeah, just that... a more lanky, more lanky, like kind of like a big, strong, uh, you know, hiker type person. Uh, and then the other one is more like, you know, a giant gorilla kind of, Yeah. you know, yep. super strong, huge upper torso. So I, I agree with you. So so that video was super cool. I had never seen that before. One of the best pieces of footage I've ever seen. Um, and then also, you know, like we said, that they they showed the famous picture, uh, the famous black and white photograph of the Yeti and then linked it to the timeline. Like I mentioned, that it was just before they were killed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that before. I couldn't figure that out by sorting through the negatives last time around. Yeah. Another interesting thing was the fact that at the same time, the uh, Russian authorities apparently were on this snowman hunt. Uh, looking for this Yeti, the United States apparently had their own program going on. Yep. And that was also a hunt for the Yeti. And both of those programs folded up right around the timeline that the hikers met their death. Exactly. Very bizarre. So they were all out there kind of in the same relative period of time here in early 1959, late 1958. And uh, all of a sudden, poof. Unbelievable, yeah. So something happened there that both of those things would fold up. Like, what were they folded up for? They succeeded? Well, that's it. And they uh, they they didn't write anything about what happened in exactly. the official records either. Yep. At least the Russian records. Yeah. Uh, just Super cool. Very odd that the uh, synchronicity of the events, you know. And also now you saw the tent stood up. 
Yes, with the slits cut in it. I mean, tell me they didn't cut those slits at the top to see. To see what was going on. Absolutely. At that point, they were so freaked out that they just took a sharp knife and said, I'm going to cut a slit so I can at least see what's going on out here. There must have been a ruckus, growling, grunting. Yeah. Whistling. How about that old lady, the the Mansi woman, who said it was a whistler? Yeah, yeah. You know, and when they asked her, what kind, what does the whistle sound like? Uh, does it sound like a man? And she said, no, it sounded like a demon, right? Something yeah, like that. Pure, pure evil. Pure evil, not man. Yeah. So I said to my brother the other day, folks, I said. When you ask me what a whistle sounds like, and I tell you it sounded like pure evil, what, <laughs> what, what kind of whistle are you talking about, That's lady? That's not good. That's yeah, not a good whistle. When you ask somebody about a whistle sound, how often are you going to get the response, it sounded like pure evil? Yeah, I, you know. I mean, I can't. it must have been like some type of shrill. Yeah, like a shrill. That's oh, it. God. So, so, folks, you know, of course, we're not affiliated with the Discovery Channel or anything like that. I just thought this was really well done. Now, on the downside, right, every one of these documentaries has a downside. They, they, you know, they do show a lot of the still photos and, you know, moving through time and stuff, which is fantastic. But then, of course, it's television. So they had to do these, like, herky-jerky black and white video you know, like it, like they had found movies or something, you know, out of a eight millimeter camera. Of course, they didn't. You know, those are made up and they're a little bit like the Blair Witch Project, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, they're trying to make TV. But that is to me, that was the downside. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you do watch it, just stay with it through that stuff. That's fake. But everything else seemed to be pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. And I think even those little jerky, herky jerky movies were beneficial in that well, they make it flow but as long yeah. as you know they're fake yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah. it's not they're not taken from the cameras i think they tried to make it look like you know those were original old videos but of right. course they weren't no no but yeah. very very interesting you know and the more you hear the more truth is unveiled and of course it's only truth if you believe it to be so absolutely you know, one guy says, hey, I, I think that was totally legit. The other one says, come on, Bill, what are you out of your mind? Yeah. So we're always at that stalemate uh, between those who do and those who don't. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of where I started, right, Kev? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yep. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Now, what else are you cooking over there? Yeah, so then um, I got another video uh, sighting, which I'll put on the website. Um, you can find it on YouTube. It's a dash cam video out of a Russian car, uh, you know, from a, from a Russian driver. I don't know what kind of car they were driving, <laughs> but it's posted on YouTube a while back, uh, around 2016, November 2016. And um, the, these folks are riding along. In a car, apparently, I'm going to try to say this, located in the Republic of Bashkortostan. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is uh, close to the Ural Mountains, so same area where uh, the Dyatlov Pass incident happened, and um, um, and near the Volga River, near the country's border with Kazakhstan. So, uh, I'm sorry, Kazakhstan. So, mm-hmm. kind of west of 
Moscow, a long ways, and then west of, I'm sorry, east of Moscow, and then west of uh, Kazakhstan. Okay. So pretty cool. By the way, Kev, I did see the car they were in. It was a uh, 2018 <laughs> Shelby GT Mustang. Excellent. <laughs> I just thought I'd like to throw that in there. Too? Like one of those 700 horsepower ones? Twin turbo, six speed. <laughs> Paddle shifter. <laughs> but they're, so they're cruising along this really narrow road. Like it looked almost like a road that only an ATV could go on. It's at night. Um, it is uh, very snowy, like uh, not necessarily snowing hard, but uh, probably a foot of snow on the ground um, and not much tracks in front of them from other cars. And they're cruising along. And again, it's not a cell phone or anything. They just have these dash cams like like a lot of folks have as a routine feature in their car in other parts of the world. I know I see them everywhere. I don't really see them in the States much, but it's a really handy thing. It's always just continuously recording in case you get in an accident or something so you can, you know, um, more easily assess blame in a situation. So they're cruising along this snowy, bumpy road, probably doing about 10 miles an hour. And right at the edge of their headlights, this kind of whitish, tannish, hairy creature is sprinting through the snow and sprints across the road into the darkness. So if you can imagine running from right to left in the middle of nowhere in about a foot of snow, this thing comes flying across and you can see it very clearly in the, uh, in the uh, dash cam images. And it doesn't look like a person, you know, dressed up in a suit or something like that. Yeah, and it was moving pretty uh, light-footed. Yes, yes, you know, even though it was cruising through this deep snow. Yeah, they look like gazelles when they're on the move. Oh, man. It's so. just like no, no problem. Just like Now, have you seen that footage, Bill? You recall that one? Well, there's a few of them I've seen, and I'm trying to view what you're talking about in my mind's eye. I may or I may not have. Okay, yeah. Uh, but there's, a, there's a, a number of them that I've you know, been tipping into here and there, examining and re-examining, you know? Yeah, there's another one I'll cover in another uh, podcast where, uh, like, the family's riding along and they see one and it starts to chase the car. Also pretty cool. Yeah, that one was kind of nuts. That's the one where it's in the field, kind of popping <laughs> up the, and down? In the field, yeah. They're on, what? like, a grassy road yeah. in the countryside and it kind of pops out of the grass and... They slow down. It starts chasing them. I mean, we could talk about it now. You know, well, I can post it as well. Yeah, it's just that you know, none of, especially that one, Kev. To me, that was so not staged, so oh, no. not yeah. CG. It just looked like a wild creature, kind of getting ticked off that they wouldn't leave and leave it alone. Exactly, because they they drove by, right? So imagine you're driving along this bumpy grass road, middle of the day. Uh, Might have been, you know, like at the end of the day, but it's it's light out, and uh, you could tell there's little kids in the car with them, like kind of a family trip, and they're looking out to the right. They got the camera rolling, and they see something in the grass as they whip by, kind of standing up, looking at them back off the road, yep. and then they back up to go back to get another look. Like you can't even turn around on this road, yeah. And and then you see the thing like bouncing up and down 
running towards them in this really deep brush or, you know, deep grass, almost like a wheat field. Yes. Um, and uh, moving along, and, and it looked like it was mad, you know. And Kev, let me say something to you, and tell me if I'm not right. Right. Did that not once again look like the crazy man waiting for a bus? Yes. Am I right? Yes. The yes. Marble Mountain Bigfoot, yes. that Bigfoot, the one that the couple saw through the lens finder in the canyon we were talking about. Yes, exactly. The crazy man waiting at a bus stop. Kind of anxious, nervous, yes. talking to itself kind of. Yeah. yeah. A real freaking nut job. <laughs> and you know something? There was nothing to hide in in that picture. He was in no. like that wheat field. There was a building like in the back, like a barn or something, wasn't there? Pretty far away, yeah. Yeah, but there was he wasn't like in the forest. Oh no, no. It was you could tell it looked like a big field of uh not taken care of, you know, like not a not a groomed uh farmer's field. Right. And again, the road was like a grass road. Yeah. You know, where you could see the ruts from the car tires, but single lane and grass, you know, with this wheat kind of brown grass in the middle between the tires and, of course, on the sides as well. Def definitely not a heavily trafficked uh, path no, that they were No, not at all. And they must have caught that Bigfoot off guard. No doubt. And he was probably, whatever, hoping they would just move on. But when they stopped, that's when he started to get a little freaky with them. Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, uh, that one occurred back in 2016. And um, uh, Tim Banal uh, on uh, Coast to Coast, yep. yeah, he wrote a story about it too. So you can you can see that you can see his story about it too. And I will uh, I'll post the video too up on uh, uh, under this uh, podcast episode on BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Yeah, and another thing is that uh, all of these sightings are around this Ural Mountain area. Uh, that's a big piece of real estate when you're talking uh, to your owls, yeah. but kind of, kind of neat that the, the Dyatlov, these sightings, uh, all happening around that area. And there's a lot more going on there that will, I'm sure we'll be digging into going down the road, but, uh, that's kind of like our starting salvo. I mean, exactly. we've already talked about Dyatlov like three or four times, but there's no getting away from it. No, and again, when you see the new evidence each time, it is really compelling stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just blew me away how yeah. how uh, solid uh, this research was and how solid the facts seem to be. Yeah, yeah. And why why they haven't come out before? Now, why do they have to be pulled out like uh, teeth with roots twisted together? Mm. You know, why can't it just come out? It, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's a very bizarre uh, behavior across all lands, you know, with some of the things the government pulls as far as the withholding of uh, information. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's very odd. Very cool. good, man. Very good. Well, I got something uh, really interesting here today. Uh, when we talk about... Uh, uh, Evidence having been found uh, and not fessed up about. Kev, have we we ever talked about the roadkill? The roadkill. Um, I don't. I don't know by that name, Bill. Which? which 
All right. Well, listen, uh, if we have or if we haven't, I'm going to go through this uh, event uh, once more today. I didn't think we had talked about this, and certain things are worthwhile to speak about uh, periodically, even if we have, because there's always new people coming to the show. And I always found uh, this, when we talk about compelling evidence, as we just were, uh, with what was uncovered in this TV show, I always found this account to be compelling. And I'm going to share it with you today, and then you can make up your own decision. Uh, You know, when people say that a body hasn't been found pertaining to Bigfoot, it's not necessarily the truth, as you may well expect. This account came to my attention from a couple named Wilfredo and Helena Gomez, uh, who were living in the state of Massachusetts at the time of this incident. Now, let me read to you exactly what they saw, and I'm going to begin with Wilfredo. My wife and I were returning home on the interstate one night, December 2009. In the distance, as we were coming up to a grade, we saw a semi-truck on the shoulder with its flashers on. As we got closer, there was quite a bit of blood on the pavement and some pieces of debris from the truck, like broken lenses and a mirror laying in the road. We were driving quite slowly as we were approaching the truck and had noticed something on the shoulder, which we believed to be a bear or a moose. Suffice to say, it was something very large, and it appeared that it was what had collided with the truck up ahead. We pulled up on the truck and got out. Walking over to the cab, we saw the driver was still inside. I grabbed the side rail and jumped up on the fuel tank to check on him. He was sitting in the seat with his head in his hands, still behind the wheel of the truck. I tapped on the window and asked him if he was all right. It took him a few seconds to respond, and then he rolled down the window. I could see that he was in shock, and he didn't answer me right away. About a minute later, while I was telling my wife to call the police, he said to me, I just crashed into a damn Bigfoot that was running across the road back there chasing a doe. I said to him, you hit what? He repeated himself, saying that he had just demolished the front of his truck, hitting a Bigfoot that was crossing the highway. I climbed down from the cab and walked to the front of the truck. The lights were still on, and the entire grill, front bumper, and hood was buckled inward. The left front fender and headlamp were demolished, and the truck was leaking water from what appeared to be the radiator. It was about ten minutes later when a trooper came roaring down the highway and an ambulance soon followed. At this time, the driver still had not come out of the cab. He was sitting there in silence and holding his head in his hands. As the policeman drove up, we told him briefly what we knew 
and he jumped up to talk to the man. Moments later, a second ambulance came to the scene, as well as another trooper. The driver was now out of the truck and talking. About 300 feet behind the truck, this animal was on the side of the road. My wife, Helena, stayed by our car while one of the troopers and I started walking back to it. He had his gun drawn and told me to stay behind him. He said that if the animal is still alive, it may jump up and try to hurt us. The policeman had a powerful flashlight with an expandable beam. I was walking maybe 15 feet behind him as we approached the animal. As soon as his light hit it, I saw the blackened face of a gorilla-type beast with blood pouring out of its mouth. I actually saw one of its eyes blink and its hand move slightly. I knew immediately that this was no moose or anything else that is known to be in these woods. It was exactly as the driver had said. He had crashed into a Bigfoot with his truck. The trooper told me to go back and stand by the truck, and as soon as I had reached it, he fired three rounds at point-blank range into the creature to put it down. A few minutes later, he took a report from us as to what the driver had told us. We overheard as well what the driver was saying to the ambulance crew and the other trooper. He said that he was fairly certain he was going to hit the deer and was trying all evasive measures in a short period of time not to do so, saying that the trailer brakes had locked up and the trailer had begun to swing wide when all of a sudden the Bigfoot was now squarely in front of the truck and unavoidable. He said when he hit the beast, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt and the impact caused him to fly forward, smashing the windshield with his forehead, which explained to me why he was sitting there in a daze holding his head in his hand. But thank God he wasn't cut or bleeding. As we were now leaving, the ambulance crew was putting the man into the back of their vehicle. Helena and I took off. Now this is what Helena said. I was asking Wilfredo what he had seen, because I had stayed by the car. I saw the trooper fire the shots and had only heard the conversations. Wilfredo told me that it was a Bigfoot, and that it was still alive but badly bleeding, which is why the trooper decided to put it down. I said to Wilfredo, that I couldn't wait to hear what the news reports would have to say about it the following day. But when the morning had come, there was nothing. We sat by the TV all day, waiting and waiting, and nothing at all was said. The next day, Wilfredo actually called the local news station and inquired about not hearing the story. They had said they knew nothing about any such story and asked Wilfredo what he had seen. Wilfredo must have spent 30 minutes on the phone with them, recounting the entire story, and the next day, again, nothing was heard or said on the news.
nothing was in the local papers, the entire week. We both know what we had seen and heard, and yet not a single word was spoken about it. We thought that surely there would be a great interest in such a story, but it was never told. What do you think of that, my friends? Mm. Boy, you know, that's one of those things that has to happen sometimes, right? You know, where these trucks are going along in rural places. Uh, of course, you know, there's not as many Bigfoot out there by any means as deer, you know, so so you don't have it happen too often. But you would think that it happens once in a while. I don't I don't understand, like, the cover-up, though. Well, neither do I. You know, why? They're, they're yeah. obviously afraid of something. Hysteria... Just stay out of the picture, you know, whatever. It's some weird line of thinking that they don't think people should know these things. Yeah, well, I certainly think that, you know, there's evidence out there where the government won't tell you about something if it can only cause hysteria and you really can't do anything about it. You know, you you could make an argument that some of that might be going on in our current uh, COVID-19 crisis. You know, we don't have to go there. Right. But but in this case, I just I don't know what is so terrible about knowing that a Bigfoot, you know, up in New England uh, gets hit by a truck and killed. Right. You know, and then we could go back to that Tic Tac UFO sighting, Kev, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not terrifying to me, right? Like, uh, not at all. I'm kind of yeah. intrigued. I'm I'm intrigued by it. Right. But yet that was kind of a semi on purpose accidental. <laughs> no, and we do, we do know, right? We certainly know that there are creatures out there that we haven't discovered yet. Um, you know, whether they're on the bottom of the ocean or uh, on the land and I don't think people are terrified by that phenomenon, you know. Right. Unless you buy into the fact that it is known or believed that these creatures are periodically killing human beings. Well, that's true. If they know of the hostile behavior and things like that, then maybe they don't want to answer the questions. Right. Disappearances while hiking. People vanishing from the tail end of a five-man hike never to be seen again. Mm. You know. Very, very strange things to give account of, you know. Could be, could be. Anyways, uh, that is one freaky deaky story from Wilfredo and Helena. And Mm. again, here you have a couple of people just driving down the road at night that find themselves somewhat embroiled in this thing, no fault of their own. They see a debris field. They see a truck up ahead. A plus B should equal C, right? Because the the debris must come, have come from this truck that's up there with the flashes on. And they see the blood. They see something heaped on the side of the road. They think it's a bear or a moose. I mean, all of the dots are connecting. Yeah, all reasonable assumptions. Certainly. And then they, when they approach the guy, he's like, you know, in a daze. The truck is trashed. And when finally he speaks, he divulges what happened. Exactly. You know, he saw a doe, and right behind it, after he did evasive measures to the best of his ability, the trailer started getting away from him, and here's the Bigfoot, wham! Yeah. Well, and even the trooper, right, what he said is very reasonable, right? Like, stay back, you know, 
because I've heard that and I've hit a deer myself and was a little frightened, you know, getting out of the car without a gun or anything at that time mm-hmm. and, and wondering if the thing, if it was like maimed, it would come after you, you know. It probably could jump up and sure. try to gore you with one of its antlers. Sure, just because it's terrified, if nothing else. Yeah, with its last gasp, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just uh, it's a crazy account, and uh, I yeah, just that's wanted. A wild sh- one. Yeah, I just wanted to share that uh, with the listeners today. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, what do we have in our? Uh, Listener mailbag today. Yeah, we got some good listener mail as usual. So uh, the first one is from Grace in New Mexico. And Grace writes, first of all, I love your podcast. I am sure it is on your radar screen, but I would love to hear your ongoing take on the Skinwalker and what's going on in regards to it. Keep it up, Grace. Wow. So what do you think, Bill? I, You know, I haven't done any research on the Skinwalker. I know, like, on the X-Files, there were a couple of super creepy episodes with the Skinwalker. Yeah, well, you know, that all goes back many, many years ago. Uh, some of the uh, Native American cultures believe that these are creatures that can shapeshift uh, from man to beast mm. uh, to back again. And as a matter of fact, there is a a new investigation going on. I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch? No, no. All right, that's something you and the audience definitely need to tune into. They're doing a scientific study of the infamous or f- famous or infamous Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Mm. Uh, and uh, the ranch has changed hands uh, from one prominent individual to another. You know who owned it before, Kev? No. Bigelow. Ah. He's the SpaceX guy, right? No, no. What is Bigelow involved in? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's... uh, uh, You're thinking Elon Musk is SpaceX. Oh, Musk, right, right, no. Uh, Bigelow is a, uh, uh, a pretty heavy hitter in my book. I'm just drawing a blank on his involvement. Anyway, he owned the ranch. Okay. Uh, and he sold it to this other fellow who definitely wants to carry on the banner of scientific investigation of the facts uh, as to what is going on around this property. And there's a lot of stuff going on there, including mm. what is believed to be uh, appearances of skinwalkers. Super creepy. Yeah, so we'll look into the skinwalker. That is a real freaky thing, man. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, for instance, one of the older uh, owners of this uh, property, uh, we're talking like farmstead people. I'm not talking about any rich people that bought it for investigating. This guy had, I think, a calf or a sheep inside of a pen. When he came out, a gigantic wolf was trying to pull the critter through the bars on the pen. Hmm. He fired six rounds from a three fifty seven Magnum at basically point-blank range into this wolf, followed by 
two rounds out of a 30-odd six before the thing let go and ran away. Mm. How do you run away with <laughs> eight slugs in you? Yeah, that sounds like a little shapeshifter action. Something going on there. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just a little uh, a little high strangeness there. But the secret of Skinwalker Ranch uh, definitely has my attention. And I like the I wrote it down. I'm on it. Yeah, I like the scientific approach. By the way, that's going on right now. They just had episode one like uh, Monday night or something. All right, cool. Well, Wednesday night, whatever it was, last week. Cool. All right. And uh, the next uh, note comes in from Tom in Michigan. And he says, hello, Bill and Kevin. Just wanted to comment on that Craven footage. Mm. It's amazing. No doubt to me that it's a massive Sasquatch. With as much new footage that's being obtained, it won't be long until proof proof positive evidence is obtained. I do have a question for the two of you. When that proof is obtained and all the doubt is removed of these creatures' existence, then what? Mm. What do you guys think will unfold as a result of that happening? Thanks, as always, for the awesome you guys do with this subject. All the best to you and yours from Michigan. Yeah. Stay safe. Ooh. What do you think, Kip? I, You know... I think it will come about where we'll have some much, you know, much more evidence. I mean, if you were back, right, if we were back in the late 60s seeing the original Patty film, I mean, who would think that we'd be sitting here in 2020 without, you know, more concrete evidence, right? (laughs) It is unbelievable. How could you guess 50 years later, you know, so... But I would think, you know, we've said it before, of of all the reasons we've said, there should be more proof here. But they are elusive beasts, for sure. It is no doubt Um, about it. And then I think we'll, then there'll, you know, be more open funding of research, which which would be fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. To really get all of the best and brightest um, looking at this and trying to figure out what's going on, how many species there really are. You know, where they're located, are they related, what are they close to, you know, Yeah. Uh, from a genealogy standpoint. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, I was given some thought the other day to uh, a possible theory on their mating or what happens to these things. I was just kind of thinking in my mind, what if they only had one or two offspring in their lifetime? And what if they were like the deer population where the, during the rut, the bucks seek out the doe, and then really the rest of the year, if you watch them, the bucks are pretty much on their own. Mm-hmm. They're not really hanging around together. It's usually the mama and the babies as they're growing up, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and then next uh, late September, October, it all begins again, you know? Yep. Uh, yep. Now, I don't know if that's the way it works. That's just my observation. I do see these deer having babies at different times of the year. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about it before. There's some science, though. The bigger the mammals are, the fewer babies they have and the longer it takes between births. Okay, so there you yeah. go. Yeah. So, so there may be a lot to You know, that. like you don't see a grizzly bear that has a litter of 10 cubs. You know, they have like two. 
you know. Uh-huh. Um, whereas, you know, my Labrador Retriever would have a litter litter with 10 puppies, you know. Right. And and uh, with the two bears, maybe one of them gets killed by a mountain lion. Exactly. Or another bear. Right. You know, another male bear, like right? The male bears kill most of the cubs, yeah. you know. Yeah. The mama's got to stay away from uh, daddy and any any of the other males. You know, those those grizzlies are basically raised, not basically, they're raised by their mother. Mm-hmm. You know, and then yeah. she kicks them out after a few years and they raise one another usually. Yeah, it's very a strange dichotomy, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, All right, we're going to Ireland. Wow. For a pint of Guinness. <laughs> and it's Walter. And Walter writes, just started listening to volume one on Audible. So he just got it. Yeah. The last book out is the first book. Yep. And you are true to form, WJ. You are correct in that there is more to the Dyatlov case uh. than meets the eye. There was a Soviet report the year they went missing that they wanted to catch one alive or words to that effect. I could listen to you fellas all night long. Be safe in that hospital, WJ. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your uh, wishes for my safety. And uh, like I said before, pray for all of us. It's a definite war zone in these uh, institutions around the globe. Uh, but isn't that funny, Kev? Here we are kind of revisiting Dyatlov yeah, today. Yeah. And yeah. what's he talking about? Exactly. The same Russian paperwork. <laughs> yeah, same thing we covered. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, Walter. Hey, Walter, are you really an Irishman? I don't know any Irishman named Walter. I He's... guess that's uh, why not, right, Kev? Sure, sure. <laughs> and thanks for looking out for my brother, Walter. That's good. <laughs> Uh, All right, for the last note, we're going to Oregon, to Uh Randall. And Randall writes, I always carry more gun than I need. (laughs) (laughs) Great way to open it up. (laughs) And still, there are things out here that are not explainable. Last year, I came across a freshly killed mountain lion. Its neck was broken, and the abdominal area had been torn open. From what I saw... Most of the organs were missing, as well as the tongue. Never saw anything like that before in 40-plus years of hunting. Be safe and pray, Randall. Well, well, well. And you were just talking about the the pictures from Dyatlov. Yeah, and that was another thing that the the, uh, Mansi people said was that the, I think it was the Mansi said it, that... The creature, you know, the snowman, as they call it, or, or the uh, the ments, um, uh, has a taste for the soft flesh, like the organs, the eyes, the tongue, more so than the rest of the body. So nice. It's, it's once here we got we got Hannibal Lecter in a monkey suit. Pretty creepy, yeah. <laughs> oh Pretty my goodness! Stuff. Yeah, you know. Uh, you know who that was, Kev, in that uh, in that uh, the video, the show? That was the man who was, like, keeping the records, the one who told them that there were over 5,000 eyewitness accounts. Yeah, yeah, he was, like, the chief of whatever type so, of uh, scientific research covered yes. uh, these creatures. And he was the one that... Interestingly enough, spoke about deer with broken necks. Have we heard that before? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the 
uh, bodies being torn open, soft meat taken, including the tongue. Yep. So it, it's just like a big loop of similar information that just goes around and around and around, you know. No doubt about it. Much more than coincidence, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Fully agree. Wow. Cool, man. Well, that's the last letter. Great episode this week. Uh, Folks, thanks for tuning in. Be safe. Please practice social distancing. Uh, Do whatever you can to try and stay safe. Let's beat this virus and get back to normal, hopefully in a couple of months now. Um, and, And thanks for listening. I know there's a lot of competition out there for your time, and your time's really valuable. If you like what you're listening to, please, right now, um, hit uh, right inside your favorite podcast player. Give us five stars. And if you want to leave us a nice review with it, too, it's greatly appreciated. It allows us to continue to make the podcast better. Awesome. And by the way, folks, I mentioned it in the last podcast, my new creation, The Exorcist Diabolica is out in paperback and ebook. So check that out if you're into a little creep. Uh, <laughs> the Exorcist Diabolica in paper book and ebook format. And may I remind you, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.